Welcome all. You're listening to the MLTI podcast, Teaching with Tech. We are your hosts, the MLTI ambassador team at the Maine Department of Education. We are here to support Maine educators by building a network focused on authentic voices, experiences, and technology integration. Hello and welcome to the MLTI podcast, Teaching with Tech. This episode will be our second focused on student and teacher wellness. We appreciate everyone who joined us last week, and we are very excited to continue this conversation. My name is Joshua Schmidt, and I will once again be your host. This week, I sit down with AJ and Jeff to talk about social media's effect on student mental health, and they describe two tools that provide immediate resources for teachers to broach that conversation carefully and effectively. Gwyneth and Nicole have an interview with Eric Hansen, Assistant Superintendent of Old Orchard Beach Schools, RSU 23, about their professional development strategies that focus on improving teacher health and wellness. Finally, Donna and Martha chat about a professional development workshop called Engaging Students with Your Presence. And stick around to the end of today's episode for a special guest and a little celebration. As you can see, we have lots to cover, so let's jump right in. I am here with AJ and Jeff, both members on the MLTI ambassador team, and we are going to be looking at social media and its effect on student mental health, but we wanted to do it through the lens of teacher-focused materials. Jeff and AJ each have a resource that they think are really valuable for teachers to begin this conversation on social media. Let's start with AJ. Tell us about the resource you're going to share with us today. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Um, so the one I found is uh, through PBS Learning Media, and it's this uh, series called Above the Noise, and it's a series of videos that, um, you know, really geared more towards middle school and high school kids. Um, and they're talking about social dilemma pieces, social, uh, I don't know how I would best describe all of them, but you know, it, it deals with technology. It can deal with what's going on in the world today. And they're just, they're short videos anywhere from probably two to eight minutes long. And they're just really good conversation starters for teachers. And the other piece I love about it is that they do come with lesson plans, viewing guides, sentence starters. So it's really an easy get for teachers. It's all pretty much there for the teachers to, uh, you know, just grab the material and, and go with it and just let the conversations happen with these videos. And the other thing I like about the videos is, you know, it's a diverse group of people who are uh, delivering the message. So I feel like the kids who are watching these videos are going to see themselves in the conversation, which I think is hugely important for us. I think one of the benefits of using a resource like that is if you're trying to get your students to talk about their own social media use, especially through the realm of how that's affecting their mental health, you're going to get crickets. The kids are not going to be talking about their own personal experience. That's going to feel uncomfortable for them. But if you provide them a conversation starter and it's talking about the character's social media use or the effect of that social media on that character's mental health, students are going to jump into that conversation and I think this is a great way to get kids talking in a way that's going to feel safe. 
Uh, Jeff, you had another resource that you wanted to dive into as well that you think is good for this beginning conversation. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, my resource is called Common Sense Education, pretty well known, but it is uh, as thorough a resource as I've come across in a long time. And it's so important nowadays, uh, the kids' digital footprints are so much a part of their life and the consequences for decisions that they're making uh, can be large, if not permanent. So the need to spend time uh, with the kids and really helping them to understand what they're doing is, is so important. Um, so it is a pre-K-12, if not a K-12 uh, digital citizenship uh, curriculum. It's completely free and it has so many different functions to it. It has a function where it rates other sites so you can get feedback on other resources and the quality of them you can search things by theme and uh, every lesson is super high quality and thorough uh, we are asking our educators our teachers to do so much nowadays and this is so important but yet it is free and it's developed uh, so that they don't have to spend the time deliver um coming up with the ideas and the resources, they can just spend the time delivering it and modifying it for their students. And I think that is a nice segue into the second half of this segment. We struggled a little bit on figuring like, how do we close this conversation? Because we all agree that this is the very beginning of this conversation. This is not an all-inclusive, listen to these 10 minutes in this segment and you are ready to dive into every aspect of teaching digital citizenship to your students. This is the beginning. We thought a good way to kind of start is to have AJ and Jeff each talk about a lesson on their resource that they feel like is a good model of why it's effective and give you a few little tips or tricks on how you could utilize that lesson in your classroom without adding a ton of work. Both AJ and Jeff um, are really big about these resources because it saves you time and energy. They already exist. They're already high quality, so you can implement them quickly and effectively. Uh, this time, let's start with Jeff. Um, talk about a lesson from Common Sense Education and how you would use that in the classroom and maybe why it would save a teacher time to set it up. Yeah, thanks. So I'm looking at uh, a grade six lesson. Uh, it's called Who Are You Online? What are the benefits and drawbacks of presenting yourself in different ways online? So it's already, I think, a, an engaging topic for the kids because it's about them. And it's about their online lives. It has objectives, uh, vocabulary with definitions already there for you. It says it takes 45 minutes, but they also offer a quicker version if you don't have that much time. Uh, it has slideshows already built. It has a quiz, a video. It has family activity and family tips. And it's broken down into different chunks. Each one of those chunks could be used individually. So the teacher really has almost nothing that they need to do other than to look at it ahead of time and be ready to implement all or whatever part of that lesson that they uh, think would be appropriate for their kids. So it's a very... Uh, diversified in the how you can use it? Uh, for me, the one I found really intriguing was this one called Disinhibition Effect. Is the internet making you meaner? And I feel like this is a 
uh, high, highly engaging conversation that kids would love to really get into. Um, you know, the, that dis, disinhibition, the inability to withhold or, you know, unwanted comments or behaviors and, you know, making kids really think about how they act online and, and what they say. And the idea that it is so much easier to not have a face with the words that you're using and you can be this anonymous being or entity on the internet and say whatever you feel like, but it, it's still affecting everybody. So I, I, it's about a six minute video. It does come with sentence starters. I think it's a uh, highly engaging. And again, like I think Josh, you were saying it's somebody else talking about them or, or themselves. It's not the kids who have to own it. They can just kind of start having that conversation. And, you know, I've had these conversations before where the kids, actually do start owning it and you start getting deeper into how they feel they act. Um, but that first introduction to it is not having them be a part of the conversation at first, as far as how they um, have this idea of this dis disinhibition ambition. So as you were talking there, AJ reminded me, you can always feel when this discussion is starting to work because the students will start with, you know, that student maybe was thinking blank, 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 and they'll talk very generally. And by the end of it, you'll be like, oh, that kid does the exact same thing that I do, and that's bad because, and it just, you can watch it become such a safer way to broach that conversation. I also really like with these activities that the hook is so strong. Just the question of, is the internet making you meaner? Immediately wants me to go watch that video and be like, ooh, that's actually really interesting. I wonder what they're talking about. So I love how strong the hooks are on both of these resources to get kids involved. Uh, we just have a little bit of time left. Um, do each of you maybe want to just close the argument, talk about something that you think would be really valuable or an additional context for teachers looking to implement this for the first time? Uh, yeah, I'll jump in real quick. And I think it's probably, you know, just reiterating what was already said, but just this idea of it's a it can be really quick. It does not have to be an extensive lesson. It can be in an advisory. It could be in a homeroom. It can be in the last five, 10 minutes of a class or the beginning of a class. So it's it's not a lot to take on, but the quality and the connection you start getting with your students can be huge with these little, uh, little lessons. AJ used the word little lessons, and I think that's interesting because it, it in, you can use a five-minute segment of it. Uh, so it's it really can meet the needs of the kid of the teacher and their kids, but the value and the importance of it I think is so huge because we talk about is the internet making you meaner? Uh, it's kind of in your face a little bit, and I'm okay with that. I think it's good. These are topics that the kids need to learn about. Yes, that topic might be a older, you know, maybe a middle school, seventh or eighth grade topic, but we need to talk about it with them because uh, it's real and it's happening and they know that. And so I think they value the fact that we're having important conversations that they want to have because they are seeing it on a regular basis. And I would just jump in real quick on that. We also need to look at ourselves in the face as teachers. And this is where those conversations can really be, you know, connection with the students because there's some ownership that we need to take as you, as adults. Are we doing these things? So this isn't just for the kids. I, I think that's a great point, AJ. That's something that like I've seen 
when we've done professional development on team. And it's always kind of like an outward facing conversation, but there's always a few times you're like, oh yeah, this is very much talking about me. I have just as much opportunity for growth as anybody else does. Jeff, go ahead. And the kids know it. If if we are having conversations and, and looking down at them or speaking like we're from an ivory tower, they're going to pick up on that and they're not going to value what we say. But if we are, if we're talking with them instead of at them, you can have a different impact. Excellent points. I thank you both for taking a little bit of time to talk about these and the resources. If you wanted to reach any member of the team, especially AJ and Jeff, to the relation to the resources they mentioned today, please email us at doe-ltt at main.gov. So today we're excited to talk with Eric Hansen from Old Orchard Beach, RSU 23. Eric, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. I'm the assistant superintendent in RSU 23 Old Orchard Beach Schools. And one of many hats I wear is developing and implementing our professional development plan on a yearly basis. So we were recently in your district and for a professional development day, um, and we offered different sessions. But when I was doing my first session, what I noticed was that everybody was coming in and they were like, I just did my wellness. And I kind of didn't think anything of it other than to kind of look and be like, well, they kind of have like workout clothes on and water bottles. Um, when I went back to look at the schedule, I noticed that you had some different offerings such as like cardio kickbox and personalized fitness and, you know, watercoloring art and uh, pickleball. Can you tell us a little bit about like what this is and what you're doing in your district? Sure. Uh, so what it is, is um, very similar to what you saw in that we commit an hour and 40 minutes for every one of our early release professional development days to staff wellness. And this is something that we launched this fall and we have been working on expanding opportunities in all areas of wellness. So obviously there is that physical wellness piece uh, with people that actually have access to um, outside gyms that we partner with, as well as some internal talent that helps us in areas of mental wellness and um, other, other areas of wellness. How did planning these sessions into your PD come about? Like, why, why are you doing this? Why are you making it a priority? Sure. I think that this is a, a story that's genesis is probably pandemic related. I think that it created a lot of duress in terms of the teacher and staff body. And one of the things we did in our return to school program is really commit and dedicate attention to wellness. And, you know, before we talk about student or staff wellness, I think we need to talk about maximizing student outcomes in the classroom. And there is a lot of research out there that that, you know, identifies teachers as one of the most significant drivers of student success. So this leads us uh, not too far from that belief and understanding that research supports is that if our staff aren't well, uh, what does that teaching environment look like? So that leads us to summer planning uh, and also just a, a look at how we were doing our professional development. And those professional development days for us, there are eight. Every year they're on the calendar when we develop our district calendar. 
and they are there for everyone to see. So rather than have three hours and 45 minutes of the, the tips, tricks, and tools that we want to engage our staff in, really those teaching and learning connections, uh, we had a kind of central thought as a leadership team around what if we used an hour and 45 minutes to pull together um, healthful eating and lunch, which you can't get around in an early release day. We're going to do that thing called lunch. And then how do we expand on that and, and try to approach wellness? So we kicked this off in the fall. And again, as you saw when you came here, those wellness activities are varied. We've tried to reach a bunch of different staff interests. So not only, again, is are there physical activities, we try to incorporate some seasonal pieces. I know in February with the snow on the ground, we're going to look at getting outside and doing some snowshoeing. In the fall, there were, and again, we're coastal, a walk down to the beach. Uh, so we try to, we try to fluctuate based on interest. And as, as you can imagine, in the new year, there are a lot of New Year's resolutions that really uh, match quite well with some of our wellness activities. So uh, last last month, the gyms were packed. So we do a cardio kickboxing, um, also a high intensity boot camp training. Our yoga instructor comes in from Portland Power Yoga and does things on site. And in addition, again, to those physical pieces, there's a mindfulness and meditation component. Uh, we had a caricaturist that came in and did some, some work with our staff. And again, we just continue to try to expand on those ideas and offerings. Well, you know, we really appreciate that you've made it a priority and, and hearing that your staff really has good feedback about it. We're just curious about what are the future plans around this idea or what are you thinking for next year or years? Is this going to be part of your PD all the time now and just, you know, change as necessary or what are your plans about it? Well, I think that the stars are really aligning to keep this thing going for a lot of different reasons. Uh, a couple, a couple takeaways in the first, you know, we're five months in to to really committing in this professional development way to to do this. Um, I can tell you that it is anecdotally, it feels as though the value of the two hours that we have to drive that professional development might even be more meaningful than the three hours and 15 that we had with the lunch before. And so, so that's one thing that we're going to continue to explore and break down. The second is our attendance um, and our participation in this versus other things that we've offered is extremely high. And then last but not least, I think there is a statewide and nationwide quest to try to improve these areas of the employer-employee relationship and the, and the work environment. So um, I think that we have really good critical momentum to continue this. And the trade-off is minimal when I look at what we are, what this replaces. I think this is really, uh, you know, a replacement activity of perhaps those, um, you know, staff luncheons that we might have spent an hour on. Instead, we shrink that lunch block to a half hour, and then we contribute, you know, another half hour onto the other end of it. And we have an hour and 50 minutes of opportunity for people to eat on the fly, transition, and 
do something for themselves. And I think that's really important. And I think it's resonated with our staff. I love that so much. How would you encourage other districts to do this? And like, how would you suggest for them to get started? I think a couple caveats to my uh, pro wellness PD plan that we have in RSU 23 is every district looks and feels a little different. And obviously those time components of what you flex and what you trade off to get a wellness component into your school calendar or your staff development days does look different. I, I think that if districts were exploring ways to enrich that wellness component with their staff, um, if they're willing to take a look at those, those costs and benefits and trade off a little bit of time on the professional development, you know, and and are willing to take a little bit of a leap to m- maybe optimize the smaller chunk of time we have because staff are more readily accessible and willing to engage in the content. Uh, and and if you are, you know, there are a lot of different low stakes entry points to do this. The other piece that's been massively helpful for us is that inside talent and knowledge. So most staffs probably have certified yoga instructors in their buildings, Uh, maybe personal trainers, maybe folks that are in a pickleball league. So, you know, tap that inside talent and have them be part of the conversation. So a great example of this is around uh, some of the, the visual art mindfulness. And I struggled to find outside folks that would do this on a real small scale. So I reached out to our visual arts team and they were extremely helpful. And not only did they help give me ideas on ways to do this, but they were also willing to facilitate. So for the past four months, we have rotated with our art teachers supporting some type of art activity. I did the same thing with our school counselors. So again, back to, you know, utilizing those resources within your district. There are many talented folks who have a lot more to offer or give, you know, within the organization than just maybe the teaching and learning that we signed up to do. I love that so much. I've always said that if you take care of the teachers, the students are always going to be just fine. Um, and I think that's that's a philosophy that you've shown here. Um, I appreciate all the ideas and maybe we'll start to see a trend in this more in other districts. Um, again, thank you from uh, Eric Hansen from RSU 23 um, with the wellness activities. Hi, this is Martha Thibodeau, and I'm here with Donna Netzer, and we're going to talk about a session that we're prepping for RSU 74, Karabek in North Anson. The session deals with teacher wellness and how that relates to student engagement. So one of the ways that the ambassadors have been trying to help school districts with SEL for staff is to provide some workshops. For example, in Karabek, I got an email from the technology director who wanted us to come and follow up a student engagement workshop that we'd done in the 
fall. And this is a quote from her. The MLTI ambassadors were a great help in showing the staff how to use technology in interesting and creative ways to boost student engagement. We realized that one of the other challenges we face besides students not being engaged in learning is the need to support the mental health and wellness of our staff. To successfully engage students, staff members need to use self-care strategies to manage their own mental health in light of all the obstacles and challenges facing educators today. So the mission of the workshop that Donna and I are going to bring to Karabak is to make connections between staff, mental health, and wellness and student engagement to help strengthen both of those areas. So because Donna is the expert in the social emotional learning area, and she is in Washington County, and I am eight miles away from Karabak High School, we decided to do a hybrid session. So I would go in person and be the person on the ground supporting Donna in a virtual session. And then I would bring in the AI piece at the end. So Donna, can you walk us through kind of the workshop and how it is going to benefit the staff at Carabec? Yeah, so first of all, I'm very impressed that they made that connection themselves and are supporting teacher wellness in that way. That's just amazing. And so I designed a presentation called Engaging Students with Your Presence. And quoting edweek.org, it says, research shows that when teachers are stressed, the quality of their instruction, classroom management, and relationships with students all suffer. Students tend to be more stressed when their teachers are, which in turn hurts their academic performance and classroom engagement. And so this presentation and professional development was all around teachers identifying their self-care needs coming up with strategies, not just to do at home for coping, but actually during the school day, connecting self-care with being your best for students, finding ways to incorporate self-care during the day for you and your students. So that modeling of self-care. And then Martha will talk about AI as well. So the, the first piece of this is stressing that there needs to be a balance. You're not going to create less stress per se, but instead of having it build into a tower that can fall, balancing it and offsetting it with some of those self-care strategies. So I'll define self-care for them, the idea of taking care of yourself and doing things that help you feel better inside of the situations that you are and cope with your stress. I actually have some great resources for them to take a test and see like where their failings are as far as, far as self-care, what's weighing the most on them in their work environment. We're going to do a little brainstorming through creating a world word cloud together around self-care and what they have for strategies. And what I find when I ask teachers is a lot of them are home only strategies. Like me, for example, I like to take a nice shower after a long day that can't happen at school. So what can we do at school? And so I dive into the idea of your senses and there are actually eight sensory systems. We think of our five, which are smell, vision, touch, taste, and hearing, but then we've got ones that deal with your emotions, 
with work that your muscles are doing and your perception of what's around you. And so all of those things go into that environment. Our last podcast spoke about the environment quite a bit, but leaning into creating a space that works for you and to go along with that mindfulness, that practice of the here and now and being in the moment. Sometimes our stressors are about what is to come or what has happened. And so mindfulness are those practices that get you back and grounded where you are. So I will share a few mindfulness activities like breathing. And there's a little chart here where they can just choose like one minute mindfulness activities, things that they could do themselves, but also with a class of students. And I've done this a lot of times. I'll just say, I think our classroom needs a reset. Let's stop. Let's do our finger breathing. It's called where you breathe in as you go up your hand and down when you go down a finger. And then I just have some resources for the teachers. I thought that would be good because everyone learns in different ways about what we have for teacher wellness opportunities. The state of Maine puts out SEL for me and they have a whole SOS section for teachers. I put an infographic about setting boundaries. One of the classic signs of being a teacher is not setting all the boundaries that you should. So encouraging those things and then connecting it with if I'm, if my wellness as a teacher is healthy, then it spills over into my students naturally, but also how can I support their wellness? I'm going to talk about how different technologies can help create that correct environment and those type of things. I do also have classroom resources. One of the ones I found was a virtual calming room and you can actually like do a digital Zen garden. And there's just all of these different things that you can send your kids to or do with a class brain gym activities. Class Dojo has some great activities on there. Go noodle for brain breaks. There's just all kinds of different ways or even just creative outlets that idea of having creativity in your day. And so I just put a bunch of resources together so that the teachers can draw from those resources, whatever fits in the moment or whatever suits their personalities or their students' needs. But we have to think of ourselves as being part of what our students get throughout the day. We can't leave ourselves at the door. That's just not possible. And so bringing yourself in as a human, but someone who cares about the well-being and and share, you know, right now I'm not a 10 and that's okay. The students respond to that very, very well. And you can build a classroom of wellness, which is what I'm going to be sharing with them. And then Martha is going to, again, talk about how AI can be such a time saver. Exactly. Boy, some of those points really resonated with me, Donna, and I'm looking forward to our workshop so I can learn more about them too, especially that setting boundaries, which um, I've always found difficult as a classroom teacher, because you have so many people coming at you from so many different angles, wanting things and to be able to say, hey, this is what I need to do right now for me is very tough in our educational community. So a few of the AI tools that I'm going to talk about, we talked about in our last podcast. So I'll just mention them. And you can go and take you can go and take a listen or look these up on your own. But my three favorite right now: uh, Magic School, CurePod, and EduAid. 
And those three are just huge. They're not really repositories because they involve AI. So they generate things for you on the fly instead of like going and saying, oh, I want this particular activity from a list of activities. You tell it what you want and it scours the web and improves your prompt. So you don't even have to be a prompt engineer. Um, and it brings you back what you're looking for. And of course, like Donna said, we have to keep the human in there. So we want to keep the human in the loop. You want to make sure that you don't just pull this out at the beginning of class and do it, that you're taking a look at it and making it your own. And it's going to save you a lot of time because it gives you a great starting place. But that's what we want you to think about AI as a starting place so that you're not having to start from scratch. You get the activity and then you make it your own by editing it, adding the graphics that you want to it, however you want to present it to your students. But you need to be part of that AI loop. I think that uh, we are going to have a great workshop when they reschedule us. Of course, they had a snow day, so um, we're going to be uh, rescheduled later this year, and we're really, I'm really looking forward to it, Donna. I thank you very much for uh, working with me on this as the expert. If you don't happen to have an ambassador in your backyard, you can work through this uh, kind of hybrid workshop day, too. Yes, I think these are wonderful opportunities to bring people into your building, but in a different way. And all of this meaningful type of engagement with teachers can happen in so many different formats. And again, kudos to Karabek for putting teacher wellness on the top of their to-do list, because this is, this is when we need it. This is the time to have teacher wellness be at the forefront. Thank you to everyone who joined me in today's episode. Donna Netzer, Martha Thibodeau, AJ Rogg, Jeff Ireland, Nicole K-Rod, Gwyneth McGuire, and Eric Hansen from RSU23. And of course, a special shout out to our guru behind the scenes, Tracy Williamson. We also wanted to remind people about signups for this year's MLTI student conferences. We will be hosting two again this year, one virtual and one in person. The virtual conference will be on March 7th, and the in-person conference will be on May 23rd. We will include the website with more information in the show notes, but you can always email us at doe-ltt at maine.gov for more information. And for a bit of celebration, this episode marks the one-year anniversary of the Teaching with Tech podcast. And while there are far too many people to name and thank everyone specifically, I wanted to extend my massive appreciation for all of the hard work on this project to everybody who's helped us from the very beginning. And of course, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us every month, and we look forward to continuing the conversation with you as well by contacting us at doe-ltt at maine.gov. Also, make sure to check out our brand new mobile-friendly archive of every episode of the show which we will include in the show notes. But before I go, I did promise a special guest. So please welcome the person who was instrumental in the beginning of this project, Rob Dominic. Hello again to all the listeners out there. Uh, I am really happy to be able to just 
pop back in for this one year anniversary of this podcast. And I really want to thank Josh and the rest of the MLTI podcast crew for thinking of me as we hit this one year mark of launching this project. Um, I also want to give them major kudos for keeping it going. I think as many people in education know, when you start an initiative or start some sort of big project, it gets momentum at first and it seems new and exciting and then you never know where it's going to go after that, um, how it's going to evolve, Um, things sometimes trail off or die off. So, um, you know, the team has done an amazing, amazing job keeping this going. It's really fun to listen to. It's, it's a great resource, I think, that the, the DOE and MLTI team is providing to educators in Maine. Um, so it's just a, a well done, a great job to, to everybody. Um, it's a really cool to see how this thing has grown over the last year. And for those who know, Rob began our tradition of ending episodes with the dad joke. So this week, I came up with one that I hope he's proud of. What's a pirate's favorite workout? Planks. Class dismissed. <laughs>